Hello, this is Chris Jansen. Welcome to the End Evil Podcast. Hello, this is Chris Jansen. I'm here with my friends, the One Great Work Warriors. We're back for another exciting episode, stimulating conversation, thoughts, philosophy about morality, truth, natural law, the topics that we love to discuss and we're hoping to educate and share um, excitement with other folks that, that like to tune into this type of thing. If you're new here, welcome. Thanks for coming. Today, we're continuing a conversation from uh, a couple weeks ago, and that conversation is we were talking about something called the devil's advocate, and we were talking about going back and forth in our own mind and with people that we have discussions with and being able to discuss both sides of a given topic and to work our way through one of these difficult conversations we've had with all of our friends and family and even conversations we've dealt with in our own self, in our own psyche, trying to figure out these things. And we're trying to encourage you, the listener, to join us in the stimulating thought process and to ask yourself the difficult questions you might not have asked before and to give you ideas of how to talk to your friends and family about these concepts of natural law, of freedom, of morality, objective morality. You know, what do these words mean? How come they're not brought up more in school? Yeah, and we're going to be discussing all these things in upcoming conference. FreedomUnderNaturalLaw.com is the place to learn about the Trivium Conference, which is coming up January 24th and 25th. And um, some of the gentlemen here are going to be involved in the planning of that. And we have uh, Brandon here, who was an awesome speaker and presenter in Funnel 2. And um, this week, we're going to talk about the Socratic Method. So before we um, start bouncing around our round table, round table of uh, wisdom here, I'm going to hand it off to Brandon to give us a little bit of introduction into what are we talking about with the Socratic method. Thank you, Chris. As always, you do some of the best intros. And thank you, Jerry, Jim, Derek, for joining us. I know Rick couldn't be here, you know, but he's here. He's just not, you know, he, you just can't see them, but yeah. Um, the Socratic method, you know, first off, let's get into, you know, where the name Socratic comes from. It comes from, you know, one of my favorite philosophers, uh, Socrates. Um, you know, he was one of the most brilliant minds to possibly ever walk this planet. And, um, he used to ask a lot of questions. And that was the whole point of the Socratic method was dialogue, conversation. You would have the teacher and the student walking around uh, Greece, walking around Athens. I hope those are the correct places where Socrates was at. Uh, but, you know, you would have Socrates and Plato or, you know, Plato and Aristotle and just walk around 
and start off asking questions. Because once you ask a question, then that creates dialogue, that creates ideas, that creates you know, conversation. So you will have the teacher who will ask a student a, a question, and it was the student's job to, you know, think about it and try to have respond. And then, and then the teacher, you know, have would have respond to is to get you to understand things from an objective standpoint. That's really what the Socratic method was supposed to be about and not just, you know, trying to interpret things or trying to rely on opinions from just a subjective, you know, how mindset it was, it, it was really to express and, and to get someone to understand an objective meaning, objective truth, you know, and that was the whole point of this conversation, the whole point of these ideas. And the Socratic method has actually been, um, um, you can, uh, boil down into like five steps. You know, per se, you got receive, reflect, um, refine, restate, and to repeat. And the whole point of that is because, um, if you were using this, then you could point out someone's bias. You can point out someone's cognitive dissonance. You can point out someone's inconsistency. So by starting off with the original question, do you have this answer? As you go into more dialogue, you are pretty much refining and filtering out. And then what you are left with, then you can take what is pretty much, you know, have left over, then compare that to the original answer to see if this person is in contradictory or to see if this person is in consistency. So that's one of the powers of the Socratic method. And um I'm passing on to Jim. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, guys. Um, yeah, the Socratic method. Um, I only just like learned about it about a year ago and became very fascinated, you know, about it and how the whole cognitive dissonance thing and how um it's a great way of, you know, showing people like what's really going on and it gets them to reflect on the truth. Um I want to acknowledge Rick because Rick couldn't be with us tonight and um he had hit the streets about a year ago. And he, his questions, his Socratic method questions, he would ask people, what is a right? And where does a right come from? And if he was here, he'd be able to, you know, to tell you how, you know, confounded he was, what, like people just couldn't give him a, a good answer on it. And, um, we, we had already spoken about this in one of our very first videos. So if people want to go check that out, um, you know, you'll, you'll get a good summary of, of, we covered that pretty extensively. So that was cool. Um, I got a few questions that like I've been asking people and it kind of like, it, it gets people in that cognitive dissonance. And, um, the one I like to ask is, would you ever contribute to an organization that causes harm to people? And, you know, automatically people are going to say, no, I would never do that. I don't want to do that. And then you slowly take them through the process. And then when, when you get to taxes and supporting the government and the military, it's like, well, that's what, that's what, what's really going on, you know? Um, a few other questions I asked, like, would it be okay with you if someone came to your home and said, this is no longer yours? Like, it's mine now. You can stay here, but 
um, you no longer own it, you know, and how would you feel about that? Would you have the right to defend yourself? And of course, everyone says, yeah, no one can do that. I like, to, you know, but that's what has been going on, like with the American Indians and the, in Hawaii, for example. Um, I ask people, do you think Jesus would vote? Um, well, would you be okay if your grandma, grandma was president? I asked, I remember asking this one girl and I had just met her grandmother the, the day before and it's just a sweet old lady. And it was like, would you think it would be cool if your grandma was, became the president? She thought about it, like, cause it sounds like a great, you know, highly esteemed position and like something like a goal to aspire to, but it's like, wait, but then your grandmother's gonna be like the leader of a, like, a military that kills innocent people, you know? It's, are you really okay with that, you know? So, and then, you know, that puts people in that cognitive dissonance that, so th these kind of questions, like, gets people to think, about, you know, the morality and what's really happening. Like, even though we've been programmed to be patriotic and that, it's like, well, these people are really causing harm and we're contributing to it. And so these are good ways to, to, to show that we are <laughs> like, and we don't think we are, but we are. And is that, is that okay? And then really the, one of the next great questions is would a good person contribute to an organization that causes harm to innocent people that kills innocent people? And it's like, are you a good person, you know, or would a bad person do that? So, and then I think we all know too, that this is a very confronting situation to put people in, but, and, they, uh, but it's, it's not like you're yelling at them telling this. It gets them to think. And it, we know it takes time to process these things. So we're just kind of trying to plant seeds by asking these questions. So it's a great way just to, to do that, to, I call it like to see the truth in, in their heart, you know, cause I do know in, in most people's hearts, they can, they can admit. They, they don't want to cop to it, but if, if they think, if they can search and, you know, sit with themselves and answer these questions, like, and they, they come to the conclusion that a good person would do that? I don't think so. So I'll pass it to Derek. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I got. Awesome, Jim. Thanks. Yeah. Did you say the word conclusion, by the way? I think so. Yeah. So, I Is mean, that like, a wrong, wrong term? That's, that's a simple question anyone can ask when, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you're talking about something with someone else and they, you know, maybe throw in a curveball or whatever you want to call it of, you know, some kind of dialectic or narrative that they bring up that we kind of know is has some falsehoods about it. You know, and there's certain ways we can ask them. It's not like, wow, because that's us kind of projecting and getting triggered by that kind of stuff. If we like suspend our fucking bullshit and what we know and, and all that stuff and don't 
uh, invest a whole lot of time like, oh, there's going to be expectations if I have this conversation and whatever. And half of them aren't even calm or patient. But uh, anyways, so you just ask them like, hey, like, you know, that's interesting. I heard the same thing. I'm kind of curious, though. How did you come to that conclusion? You know, that kind of stuff. And it's not such an intrusion on their type of thing. They're, it's like, and we talked about this with Chris earlier this morning of just like really trying to stimulate thought and have this be inviting and maybe a little enticing to them. It's not about us. We know what's up. And it's not like we know it all and all that stuff. We we can learn a shitload from anyone we engage with about all types of stuff around life, you know. But obviously the context is more uh, along the lines of what we were talking about last week or a week ago. Two weeks ago, in regards to like having a free, sovereign society, uh, broken away from you know the oppressive governmental type of stuff, and you know there's people that are going to be frothing at the mouth at us just for bringing that up or like saying government is slavery, slavery or you know taxation is theft and all this stuff. So yeah, folks get triggered pretty easily because they hear a lot of things from the mainstream media and whatever kind of all types of shit, right? And uh, we could even ask them like, hey, you know, like just be in your true core essence of, you know, like understanding the truth of the matter and like staying fucking firm to that centered with, with the between the two pillars of enlightenment, you know, masculine, feminine, non-aggressive, non-violent communication is included in that as far as like the self-defense principle because, you know, they're going to start talking shit and throwing ad hominem attacks on some logical fallacy shit that we talk about in the trivium, then, hey, we got to call that shit out for what the fuck it is. And that's why we learn these things sometimes. And it's not to like, it's not about knowing more than the next person. It's like getting people leveled the fuck up to, you know, understanding certain things. And we could even ask them like, hey, like, I understand... Like, I notice you have, like, a knee-jerk reaction to that. Like, what's up with that? Like, cool, calm, and composed. As soon as we start knee-jerk reaction to their knee-jerkiness, like, where the fuck, you know, I'm sure y'all have been there before and done that, and so have I, and it just doesn't go all that well most of the time, you know? So that slippery slope, as far as questions, and you can ask them just things like, so... So how have, you know, whoever you voted for, you know, in the politicians you support, how has that like truly improved your life, like on a personal level and this and that? And some of the things that they could bring up uh, can make us think and be like, well, is that arbitrary or not? And like, it doesn't matter, you know, like, and you could just go to other questions, you know, like continue with that and just like stimulate their curiosity of like, okay, this guy's curious as to what I think and my perspective, you know? A lot of times, like, you know, people close up if we feel like, you know, we're just talking down upon them or whatever and not we're trying to get our points across so much, so brazenly sometimes that, you know, y'all have been there. That that exchange is not that easy at, at that point. But, um, you know, you can ask them because we understand, at least I hope folks do, that. You know, the mainstream media has been talking a lot of shit about us in the in ways that we come across certain perspectives. They want to lump all that shit, you know, up into, you know, some right wing nut job, you know, QAnon, Trumpalina bullshit, whatever the fuck. Right. Anything that we say of, you know, that crosses any conspiratorial line, whether it's fucking true or not, you you understand like the they're playing 
that shit against us and and just you know laughing it up on Saturday Night Live with their shitty fucking jokes these days and and blah fucking blah. But uh, you know, we can ask them like, okay, well, I'm kind of curious, like, how how did you learn or did you learn like, or what did you hear about you know what I what you're hearing from me like what 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 have you heard about natural law what have you heard about like true anarchy and you know like a hermetic have you heard about the hermetica you know like kabbalion and things like that and things that are really empowering things that you know are more empowering than ever watched on fucking television you know like so <laughs> give them little you know like things to be inspired by or question more on and like have some kind of that that seed of whatever that makes them go hey what's going on maybe i'll let this seed germinate and see what's going on with that exactly type of thing word up to the seed conference that's you know later on in in the near brandon's going to be on that but uh i'll come back to my questions but uh i think i rambled on for enough jerry was cracking man como estas Uh, i'd love to hear you speak derek i'm good how are you all right cheers man (laughs) (laughs) Well, since you passed the torch, I'll just say that I uh, heard some of what you said. I'm, in, I'm at an Airbnb, so I wanted to have the lights on so you know, my screen wouldn't be dark. But uh, from what I did hear, it was true. So definitely want to be calm. You don't want to be, like, panicking because that doesn't help anyone. So... The thing that came to mind was the ethics, like something ethical. Um, like, let's say you have a meter from zero to a hundred. What would range in the a hundred would be something that benefits you and myself. So it's a win-win. And then even thinking of a win-win-win situation, that's what like I'm striving for. So as far as questions go, I basically thought of questions to ask based uh, on who I would ask. Uh, These questions are directed to someone who questions objective morality, let's say. So my first question was, what is the truth? And that would already trigger an answer in their mind. And in my mind, I'm thinking they might think, they'll say, Oh, the truth is what uh, everyone, anyone says it is. So if that's the case, if, if someone says that truth doesn't exist, but then someone else says that truth does exist, they, it's illogical, it's a fact, like, they don't match, so... Essentially, I would help them realize that by saying what I just said. So for there to be a truth, it has to be objective. So once they realize that, then my second question would be, is morality objective or subjective? Or actually, is there a truth to morality? whether it's objective or subjective. So if we know there's a truth, then there's got to be a truth about morality. That's where my head is at. So I let them think about that. So they'll say, huh, you know what? I think it's objective. 
Um, but there was something that I heard yesterday. I think it's called the coyote. It's coyote learning where you don't want to tell someone like you don't want to. It's essentially teaching someone without them knowing you're teaching them. So instead of telling them, for example, well, this guy, he worked on ships, right? So he was out at sea. And when he was teaching someone with this method, he wouldn't tell them, oh, we need to uh, switch directions uh, 20 degrees or I don't even know. An example, we need to raise the flag because such and such, just an example. But he would ask them questions like, if so-and-so is coming on direction, what do you think we should do? And he would get the, um, the others answering the questions to essentially answer with the correct answer. <laughs> Without him having to tell him so, because that's they would have to think and use their brain and use their their neurons essentially. Um, yeah, all the electricity going on, but um, yeah, that's the coyote method. So that's like what I would try to do with uh, someone who questions objective morality, and then. So if we already define like the truth, there's a truth. If not, if truth was subjective, then there isn't a truth. And then the second question, well, is there's got to be a truth to morality, whether it's objective or subjective. And once we like know it's objective, then yeah, my third question. <laughs> Um, I guess I would just ask something like, hey, do you think, yeah, I, I guess my second question was going to be my third, but it didn't make sense to put it as a third, so I put it as a second. So I guess those two questions really are my leverage to having someone faith. So. That's, I'll leave it there. Cool. Thanks, Jerry. And, you know, um, the kind of the way you went through it, Jerry, um, is something I've done with quite a few people asking them very similar types of questions than you just described. And um, I was telling these guys before I got on today, I was thinking about what questions I wanted to talk about with you guys. And um, I'm like, I need like a, I need like some frustrating um, person that's going to give me the answers I don't like, you know? And so I went on this chat. Um, it's not chat GPT, but it's something similar. It's a AI on my phone. And I was asking it a series of questions. And some of the ones Jerry described it were part of the path. I was trying to ask, how can morality ever be subjective? You know? And, you know, how can, um, you know, I asked it, what does subjective mean? I think a lot of people, and and that is important, by the way, a lot of people are confused about the terms subjective and objective. And so it, we toss them around a lot, but I think it is important 
with people to ask questions about making sure that we're using the same word. And something I've realized over and over recently is trying to talk about um, anarchy is a tough term. Um, inevitably, people think that anarchy means chaos and disorderliness or not following any rules, when in fact, that's not what it means. And I even went through that discussion here with my the AI, and it seemed to be confused about what the answer was about that because it gave me two different answers. And so like Brandon's saying, when we start getting two different answers, that's when we're kind of like, whoa, I'm confused, you know, and I, I like Derek's approach towards people like, uh, you know, I can be come across a lot more humble if I say, hey, here's something I'm confused about. Maybe you can explain it to me. How does that work? Because that doesn't make sense to me. You know, tell me, explain to me. And people love to tell you everything that they know. So anyway, I was asking this um, AI. So I asked him, so there's no such thing as objective morality because the answer it gave me said that morality is often shaped by various factors such as religion, culture, upbringing, and personal experiences. Therefore, what one person considers to be moral or ethical may not be the same as what another person considers. That's what it's telling me. And so I said, so you're saying there's no such thing as objective morality. And it says, well, there's there's also positions in between these two extremes, and such as that the idea that there are objective moral principles, but their interpretation and application depend on cultural and individual contexts. So even there, the AI is starting to back off and say, oh, well, yeah, I guess there could be objective morality, but, you know, it's just how we interpret the objective, right? And um, here's another question I asked. If morality was subjective, one person could justify just about any immoral action, right? And um, the AI said, it does not mean that there are no moral rules at all. Most people believe that some actions are inherently wrong. For example, murder, rape, and theft are generally considered immoral, and um, there's usually punishments. And I said, but then why do so many laws allow for killing and kidnapping and stealing, such as militaries attacking another country or police detaining people for crimes where no property or human was damaged or taxing people who are not old enough to vote or taxes at all for as far as that goes, which is organized stealing? Laws are not moral. And this is when I kind of got him. The um, AI had to admit that laws are not necessarily moral and often laws are immoral. So that really brought together what I think is a pretty solid question to ask people. Are laws moral? You know, are laws moral? And people have to admit when you give them enough examples that, well, laws are not necessarily moral at all. Right. And then I went on um, for a lot of this conversation comparing anarchists all in history to governments. And I was asking this AI to, to just give me a guess on how many people have been killed by actions of governments historically. And it came up with tens of millions. And I go, okay, historically and all the time, how many killings or murders can we come up with from the hands of anarchists? It came up with like a couple maybe examples and I said, so we have a couple, two or three deaths here from anarchists and tens of millions of deaths over here from government. Which one's a lot more dangerous, anarchist philosophy or the government philosophy? <laughs> so that's where I'll end for now. But um, um, we could do some more fun if we got time here and play with this AI's responses to some of our questions.
and I got a lot more, but uh, I'm going to pass it on to Brandon. Yeah. Um, I want to get uh, back into the five steps of the Socratic method that I've come across before I get to my question, because one thing about the, the Socratic method that people may not be as familiar with is, is it is the trivia method. That's really all that it is. So her earlier, I said you have pretty much these five steps, um, you know, from my research. And the first step would be is to receive like you have to hear what this person is going to say. You know, so when you ask them, you know, have this question, they are going to give you their input, which would be the first step of the trivium. So you hear that. And then the step and then the second step would be is how you reflect it. You sum up that same answer. So there is no distinction in clarity. You know, one of the problems is when you're talking with people is the loss of clarity. So you repeat what they say to make sure that there is no miscommunication, you know, to make sure that, okay, this is what you were saying. This is, you know, what you are clear on. This is your definition. Okay. This is the context. Okay. So you are starting to filter stuff out. You know, we are starting to refine, which refine is the third step. That's when you bring your evidence, you bring your facts, you know, because again, we are getting to the second step of the, the uh, trivium, which is processing, you know, because we are trying to get a better understanding of what this person is thinking or what this person is feeling, what this person believes, you know, what this person's thought processes are and what this person's world views are. So we are slowly, slowly refining this, which will lead to the fourth step. After you refine this stuff, then you are going to restate because because as you are having this dialogue and you are refining this stuff, you are constantly going to be restating this person's answer because this person's answer is going to change or, you know, how this person could, you know, start to have that light bulb moment. You never know, you know, and then too, you could also start to plant seeds. So as you are refining this stuff, that is that filtration even more Then you have how that, uh, you know, you restate it. So you're getting to that last part of the uh, trivium is you repeat the final process, and then you can go back to the you know, receiving. And that's the whole trivium input processing output that's going to go on infinitum. That's the whole point of this dial. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, the whole point of this conversation to engage, to spark new ideas. So before I get into my question, you know, one thing about the Socratic method is you don't always have to ask your question in a cataphatic you know, view. You can ask it. You can ask your question in an apathetic sense, meaning you can ask it. You can ask your question in a negative. So, um, if you're not familiar with what the apathetic inquiry is, it is the process of confirmation by negating stuff out. So you're describing what something is by knowing what it is not. So that's one of the best ways to really tap into someone's emotional heartstring because that's one of the beauties and the tools when you have this knowledge and you understand the power of, and, and and you understand this power of this knowledge is you have to start where people are at and you may have to jump into those emotional heartstrings to get them to see hey you were in contradictory hey you have problems hey you were wrong hey you are immoral so 
Understanding this apathetic approach is one of the best ways, which is going to lead me to my question, because this is a question that will tap into people's heartstrings. So here is my question. Does someone else have the moral right to steal from you to feed their starving kids? That's my question. Because that's a question right there that most people would would identify with and say, yes, yes, because they would see themselves as the person who has starving kids who will, who would do anything for them. And they would go and steal from someone else to feed their starving kids. But I reverse it and put it on them. You were the one who who doesn't have the starving kids. You are the one who is having your property stolen. So does someone else have the moral right to steal from you to feed their starving kids? Of course, the answer is no. Now, mind you, like, like I, I can, uh, I can have compassion with, you know, because of course, you know, we should try to preserve life, you know, like I don't want any kid to be starving, but we can't justify, you know, wrong behavior because at the end of the day, you're still taking something that does not belong to you, you know, food, you know, I would rather you just ask or explain, you know, how the situation, then someone could say, you know, hey, you know, like if it was me, hey, just have the food, you know, hell, I would give up the food on my plate for someone else's kids. But most people in this situation wouldn't even think twice and they would just say, oh, you know, I would steal for someone else to feed my starving kids because people do that daily. Everybody in government does it. Everybody who works for government, everyone who receives a paycheck from government does it daily, every day. So learning well, how kids to, aren't starving. Them. <laughs> well, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because people who get checks from the government, their checks ain't never late, you know. So, but uh, you know, ta- but tapping into the emotional heartstrings is a good way because you have to, you have to kind of have a feel from where this person is at. Not just consciously, but hell emotionally. And if you know this person has kids, then you have to relate it in a way that they can understand it. If you know this person, you know, likes sports, you have to relate things in a way that, you know, how that they can understand it. If you know this person likes any form of hell, whatever, if you can relate this information in a way that they can understand it based on what their preferences are, then it'll make planting these seeds a whole lot more easier. And that is a very heartfelt question because a lot of people haven't really thought held that question and a lot of people will do anything for their kids at the expense of others if if need be and that's the problem with people so one of my uh our my second question is do you really love your kids if you are are do you really love your kids friends or family if you are condoning theft on them, if you are enslaving them, if you are stealing from them. Now, mind you, that's not really in the apathetic sense, but, you know, how you can kind of mix and match how your questions when you are creating these things. So, you know, how do you really love someone if you are enslaving them, if you are putting them in a in a position of how the rest of chaos? I mean, like. Can you really love someone if you were enslaving them? You can't, you know, so these are some of the questions that, you know, can possibly help, um, you know, in, um, in trying to get this information out because learning 
the tap into people's emotions do work because we see the social engineers doing it daily. So like I've always said, we have to use these same techniques of mind control, not for our own egoic purposes, but for techniques of mind influence. So we can use these same techniques in a more positive way. So, um, yeah, that's what I wanted to get at. Loved it. I love that five steps. And it was interesting that we were kind of heading down that trail just kind of with our natural instinct of saying, yeah, first we have to define things. And looking back at my chat with the AI, you know, that's kind of what I was doing. I was saying, okay, let's define what does anarchy mean? And then I was like, okay, now that we've defined it, doesn't that mean such and such? And then it would give its answer. And I would say, well, given that you gave that answer, this is what you're saying, right? You know, correct. You know, and then it, it, it really doesn't like agreeing. Because what I was doing was comparing a government to an anarchist and saying, which one's more dangerous? And it's saying, well, I can't really compare the two. They're two different things. I'm like, well, which has done more damage historically speaking, you know, and, and as you're taking its own words and saying, well, you said that governments are much more dangerous than, 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 than anarchists. So why do we keep using them if they're killing hundreds of people? You know, here's one question I asked. Um, and I think this is a good for, you know, I've met people that are super left brain. They carry around a lot of facts in their head and they like read a lot, but they have a lot of trouble when the discussion goes over to spirituality or morality. They want to get really egg left brained about it. And I said, um, I said, I asked this question and you could ask somebody, Hey, look this up on your computer. Can you give us some examples? of governments doing immoral acts against large numbers of humans. Can it? Oh yeah, it can. You know, it started, it came up with five real quick. It came up with the Holocaust. It came up with the Rwandan genocide, the Armenian genocide, the Trail of Tears, the Cultural Revolution under Mao, 1.5 million people. It says, these are just a few examples of governments committing immoral acts against large numbers of humans throughout history. And I said, since governments have repeatedly committed horrific acts that are immoral, why would we continue to trust them? Won't they just continue to make the same similar actions in the future? <laughs> and, um, you know, they're, they're all on. I'm not going to read all of this, but I'm just kind of giving you some of the ideas that, that we can keep prompting and asking people like, hey, you said this, so doesn't that mean this? If governments killed a lot of people in the past, what would prevent them from doing that in the future? Your hopes right. and dreams? You know, where's the evidence that that would ever get any better? You know? Or that anarchists would become more dangerous than they have been in the past, which hasn't been very dangerous. <laughs> Why would they get more dangerous in the future without governments who are the most dangerous thing in all of history? <laughs> they're thinking about that mad max scenario like we mentioned last time right <laughs> right right right. it's imagination yeah. and a lot of this comes from hollywood the thoughts that are in people's heads but if yeah. you say that to someone they they're going to take that as offensive and they're gonna be like i'm not brainwashed i'm i'm too i'm too smart to be brainwashed you know so that's why we got to find our way to work through um more creative questioning so um i'll pass it to jim you got any comments or more ideas stuff there jim going what's going through your head Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm really fascinated by that AI thing. I, I didn't even know that you could do that. Um, and like, I know this, 
this whole thing about the Socratic method and using it, it's, it's trying to get people to think, right? And that's what, like, the, the government doesn't want people to do. They don't want us to think, you know? And that's, that's a, that's an interesting thing. Like, we, we've been programmed to, like, not to think. <laughs> but with this AI, there are, uh, who's programming, like, where did the AI get the, Information to, you know, answer is pro was programmed by humans, obviously. But so, right. but I find that so interesting that you were able to like take it through the Socratic process and method, and it processes stuff much faster than people will, and it gets them to uh, answer the questions. Like that's really fascinating. Like how you were able like. You were able to get those. You said it doesn't like what, um, but it has to give the answers. You can't run or whatever, right? It seems like, you know, that's, it's interesting. That's fascinating. You, you, can kind of, you can kind of cage it in and it starts, you know, well, you got to realize too, like, you know, there's, there's different AI bots out there, right? And the one I'm using is just one I downloaded from an application. It might not be smart as another one, but I think the idea is they gather information from all over the net, wherever they could find it. But that being said, I strongly suspect that this one I'm working with here, you know, it has some programming to prevent it from saying just about anything because it's very careful on some of these subjects. You know, it's it's yeah. kind of saying, well, I'm just an AI bot. Or, you know, I don't I can't pretend to know oh, that yeah, much yeah. about morals, but I can provide opinions. as I'm programmed to remain neutral. You know, here's the one where I said, is anarchy a bad thing? And it says as an AI language model. I cannot provide opinions as I am programmed to remain neutral. However, anarchy is often viewed as a negative concept by many people because it's associated with chaos, violence, and lawlessness. Without a centralized government or authority to enforce laws and maintain order, some people fear that society would devolve into a state of constant conflict and disorder. However, proponents of anarchy argue that true anarchy is not a state of chaos but rather a society based on voluntary cooperation and mutual aid, which could lead to greater freedom, equality, and justice. Thank you, AI bot. Thank you very much. Uh, that's <laughs> weird. <fucker>. Gotcha. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's programmed AI. just the same as <laughs> yep. people. To, yep. right? to think what anarchy is. They, they tell it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just like, <laughs> yeah, I'll add another man. question. I'll add another question I've asked people is like, do you own your body or is, or do you own your body or do you think that's your opinion? And most people right away are like, of course, what the fuck are you talking about? I own my body. Like, you know, and, and then I say, well, you know, if you didn't pay your taxes or would you be taken, you know, imprisoned for that? And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like not explaining it well, but I know everyone can get that. If you get pulled over by a policeman and you didn't do anything wrong and maybe you weren't wearing your seatbelt and you were like, well, listen, I, I got to get home to my kids and I didn't, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not harming anyone. I'm just going to go. I'm, I got to go home. I got to get home. And then you drive away. What's going to happen is the cops going to come and grab you and maybe you know, hurts, you know, put you in handcuffs and, and put you in prison. Like, and 
so do you own your body? You know, like just, just more like that's the kind of question you ask people to get them to understand that you really don't own your body. You think you do, but another good one is about owning your body. When you go back to the, when there was the, the slaves in, in America, um, and you ask, do you think that they had the right to defend themselves? If, if uh, a slave escaped from the plantation and they got um, caught, do you think they had the right to like kill the person who was trying to catch them? You know, that that's a deep one. And uh, it's a good one to think about. Like, and, <laughs> you know. Damn, just a uh, correction. Um, if you ran from a cop, yeah. there is no maybe. They are going to beat the fuck out of you. There is no maybe like that's a hundred percent. It's true. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we just saw it. We just saw it with that poor guy in Memphis. You know, they killed him like three houses away from his parents' house. Like he didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. You know, there's proof right there. I mean, yeah, I recently heard a story say it's not true about a guy who was handcuffed with his hands behind his back and his feet were cuffed together. And they had him in some sort of mental institution and somehow they killed this guy by dogpiling him. You know, I think it was six or seven cops plus three orderlies or something like that. He must not have been following their directions to a T and they all jumped on him and he killed him, you know, and you ask yourself, what kind of force is necessary with a guy who shackled his hands and his feet and he's locked in a room? Wow. You know, that's talk about excessive force. You know, how many anarchists have ever done that in history to a person? You know, people that care about um, their philosophy wouldn't want to be seen doing something that stupid, you know, and and it's it's embarrassing. It's truly embarrassing what all these examples we have, a whole history of the world of examples of authority doing the most heinous things that you can imagine you know that's a pretty good track record and that's a pretty good thing to ask people about have you ever heard about this have you ever heard about that have you ever heard about that don't these things start to indicate a pattern (laughs) you would think and that's the whole beauty you know of this of asking questions because like have I said um two weeks ago, once you ask that question, you know, normally the conscious mind, you know, like wants to try to figure out how to answer. It's just like when you watch that thumbnail, you know, video and it has that question, forget the title, like most people gonna click on it because, you know, it sparks that curiosity, you know, you know, it sparks that creativity. Yeah, you know, that's the conscious mind. It's like, you know, oh, you know, I got to figure this out. So you know, that's the whole beauty of of asking, you know, these questions, you know, you can get some form of reference, you know, you can get some form of report. And like Derek said earlier, you know, like in doing the Socratic method, you cannot bring your emotions in because once you bring the emotion in, you will just stay in a form of perception or subjectivity, you know, to truly understand things from an objective standpoint, you've got to stand, you've got to take a step back and get that different vantage points to get that different angle. So you can see things more clearly, you know, you got to get that different scope. So that's the whole beauty of this, you know, once you bring your emotions in, then things won't go well, you know, so you do have to kind of play the devil's advocate 
uh, you know, the devil's advocate too. And then you kind of have to play stupid, you know, as if you, you know, you know, like, Oh, you know, what would happen, you know, like if this, uh, you know, how scenario, you know, happened according to, you know, how your answer, you know, so, you know, hell, you do have to kind of play dumb sometimes, but that's the whole point because you're, because you may know this stuff, but you are trying to, you know, spark or, you know, teach someone else that even though they may not know it, you know, kind of like how Jerry was saying, you know, um, you know, you know, hell, with the whole method, hell learning. Uh, so yeah, uh, not letting your emotions get involved, you know, staying, you know, hell level minded, clear headed. Hell, that's the hell best approach because then you can stay logical and, and continuously create more conversation because once you bring those emotions, you're going to shut down and then other person going to shut down. But if you stay calm centered, then that's when you have that good, you know, have report to go with that back and forth, you know, dialogue, not necessarily like a form of debate, but more like a form of, of curiousness, uh, in just spreading, you know, how knowledge and just asking questions, you know, it's like, if you've seen a good man on the street video, um, you know, like, like there's a lot of people who do a lot of good man on the street videos and you can tell, you know, sometimes, you know, that, uh, forget not to play dumb, but they are, are using that Socratic method to ask questions, you know, you know, and, and based on what people say, that's going to lead to more questions. And it can be an infinite, you know, dialogue kind of like with Chris and the AI. And Chris, I think that is a, a good way, you know, to explain what the Socratic method was because I'm, I'm sure you, I'm sure you could talk with the AI for hours upon hours upon hours. And and it would never end. Nah, man, forget about it. Yeah, I just gotta say one thing real quick with this whole trickster in the mixture thing, and like think of like any kind of court gesture back in the medieval times, right? They knew very well both sides of the same fucking coin of many things going on, and yes, there was controlled opposition and all that stuff, but uh. Just like looking at as the archetypal like energy or, or persona, if you will, of like having a bit of that in your like like an ace up your sleeve in a sense, or just like having that with you. And I'm not gonna disagree with you, Brandon, but you know, the whole spectrum of emotions in the moment there's gonna be something like energy in motion, emotion, right? But uh like as far as like getting your emotions invested in that, you know, interaction, that's you know what you're talking about, you know what I mean? But uh, like, hey, like I'm sharing emotion right now, like the enthusiasm or whatever, like just being animated and all that stuff. That's that's something. That's how we wield our fucking magic sometimes. And it, we can have that you know, law of attraction and the law of persuasion mixed up in there to make things more appealing to to other people and have them you know feel more invited to engage in that type of thing. And, uh, so, so yeah, it's interesting just like thinking about any kind of like court gesture and like looking at the crowd and like, Hey, Hey son, like you in the front row, like, what do you think about, uh, what do you think about your new King and what he's going to do to the land? And, you know, he wants to put this new, uh, brand new, uh, uh, you know, mono agricultural thing and, and you're going to have extra space and, and there's going to be more jobs for more people, but you know, there's going to be a little extra tax on all that stuff. So, you know, there's all these things that, you know, you can read between the lines and see how people, you know, work that stuff. But as far as like how that applies to what we're getting at, um, and it's not about dangling carrots for anyone and it's not about being that manipulative, but, uh, like having them something, like always having something for them to like 
glean upon or being like entertaining to a degree or, you know, something that, you know, could even light up their eyes or just, you know, not shut down their heart, but open it, you know, because we see so many times of even like bullshit ass fucking like Facebook exchanges, which is, you know, limited uh, language between two people to begin with. But, uh, you know, like people just shut off after the first, you know, little like discord type of thing. And it's like, where do we go from there again? You know, like we're trying to dissolve these divides. And sometimes like you try to bring certain things up and it creates more division just because we had a wrong approach sometimes or something like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, Derek, you know, um, for me, it's coming into word. I came up with offended and I thought a lot about this on a recent, um, hiking trip and I was talking with Leslie about it and my friend Jason, and we were talking about, you know, whenever you sense yourself being offended, you notice your emotions, you can feel it in your body. Another, you know, my yoga teacher points that out when you feel that emotion coming through you, you're like, what is it that's offending me? Why am I getting so easy out of balance? There's always something there for us to learn about ourselves. whenever we start feeling that offended feeling. And a lot of people don't recognize that truth. When they feel that offended thing, they blame it on you. It's your fault I feel offended. And that's silly, but that's the truth, the, the state most your average person might be in. And so that's really tricky to deal with. And so like you're saying, we kind of have to be cautious with that factor most people don't have the emotional intelligence to recognize that when you're feeling offended, it's because there's something in you that needs work. And that's why you're offended, you know. But um, the other thing I wanted to point out is I was thinking a lot about what Jerry was saying about truth and asking questions about where people are at with truth. Because one thing I've come to recognize is you can get into some really long conversations and spend three hours with somebody who ultimately does not give a crap about learning anything from this conversation. And generally those people are moral relativists. And if a person truly deep down thinks that there is no such thing as truth, you're wasting your time talking to them and asking them questions personally, I think. I think a person has to have some level of recognition that there is a such thing as truth. Because if they're not willing to do that, you're kind of wasting your time with all these other questions. And so that is a good one up front to try to find out from someone, like, do they actually believe? And one way to do that is ask them, what's the difference between truth or what's the difference between um, ethics and morality? You know, and then you can kind of talk about what is the difference and then what is right? Not, not necessarily what is a right, but what is right? What makes something wrong? Why are things wrong? You know, if there's not a such thing as truth, talk about apathetic, apophatic, I'm sorry. If there is no such thing as truth, then why do we have that word? What does that word describe? Because if there's no such thing as truth, that means everything is arbitrary and there's no solidness to anything. So how could we have physics or science? How could we have electronics that work? How could we predictably imagine where uh, a plane's going to land if there was no truth? Everything was arbitrary. You know, the physics could change between here and Chicago, you know? So, you know, if we can work with someone on asking questions and trying to find out if they really care about the fact that there is a such thing as truth. And by the way, that's what objective means, that it's the same from any angle. 
subjective means it's how I feel or how I see it from my body and my lens. So I'll hand it off. Anybody else got something? Yeah. Um, quick, uh, uh, Brandon, I just want to say like the whole offended thing, like for me, it's all about like staying centered in between the pillars of enlightenment. Like I said, like if you're standing on solid fucking ground and solid like axioms of truth, how the fuck can you not be offended or just, you know, staying within like core essence of who the fuck, you know, the I am and, and all that gnosis of self, you know? So that's what I, you know, try to say. I've said that in other segments and videos and stuff, but yeah, I love that pun. Yeah, the off- offended, offended. Yeah, sorry, Brandon, go. Yeah, uh, just to clarify something, how that I say it with the how emotional thing, and the reason why I said that is because um, if you're in if you're engaged in conversation, and you know, like someone is vibing with you, usually most of the time they're going to mimic your behavior. Like that's one thing that's taught in NLP and in and in psychology. So. Like, so when I'm talking about don't bring your emotions involved, I'm not talking about like, like don't be, you know, expressive with your body language. No, no, no. I'm talking about don't be so reactive to a answer, you know, how that someone says to where it gets you to lose sight of what the true purpose is, you know, because the whole, the whole being uh, uh, are bringing uh, emotions within your body. That's going to help bring your point a hell across and that's actually needed you know so that's one of the tools to where if someone is going to use the socratic method methods of nlp also need to be understood too because it can help you gain much more of a report and to better target you know how your audience are you know or whoever it is so you know hell, that's what i mean by don't bring your emotions involved you know hell, don't be so quick to just react to what somebody says because if it's really about you know planting seeds and and trying to get this information across then you have to be willing to you know to you know just kind of sit back and just open up your ears and just kind of you know you know nod your head you know and just use all of that stuff you know in the uh, in the NLP or stuff that you learn in psychology to get a better understanding. Then you use that as information. So once you build up your next question or, you know, hell, it'll create hell, more report or it'll create more, you know, conversation because that's information hell that you're taking in. Nice. Um, yeah, I share like when I've dabbled with this Socratic method, I've ran into uh, a problem where I know there's a psychology behind it where uh, people are going to go into, uh, they want to dodge the question, like they go into fight or flight. Um, but they just, they just want to like run away from it. Um, so then I know that's happening. Like they'll do anything to like not answer the question or start saying, yeah, but yeah, but. And then instead of me trying to reel them back in to answer the question, I get like emotional. I say, and I start telling them, yeah, I know what's happening. Like you're in cognitive dissonance and you don't want to, you're just doing anything you can to not answer the question. So that's like my bad. Like I'm not, I haven't gotten that far where I can just like reel them back in. I'm just trying to show them like what, what's going on in their, their head, <laughs> which is not working either, but. We've all done that yeah. before too, you know? Yeah. Because you don't want to start attacking this person because. You know, like, what's this person going to do? They're going to shut down. You know, how they're going to leave, you know, conversation. And they have the next person who, who tries to bring this information up for them. You know, they're going to relate it back to, you know, how, 
you know, help them shutting down and then it's just going to be shut off. So, you know, you, you do need to have a level of self-control, um, you know, when doing this, you, you, you do need to have a level of, you know, of, um, you know, I've done some shadow work, you know, to a, a degree because, you know, hell, when talking to people and we talking about these subjects, you know, I mean, hell, let's be honest, you could, you can bring up some emotional things and you, you don't know how someone is going to react. So you have to be willing to, you know, to take that into consideration too, you know, just jumping into this, you know, you know, blind and just thinking, oh, everything's going to be okay. It may not because you may ask some kind of heartfelt question that may bring up some form of, you know, trauma in this person's life, you know, uh, like the question that, the question that I ask, you know, maybe someone had kids who starved to death, you know, or, or, you know, you know, he'll know someone's kids who starved to death. So they're going to have some emotional outbursts, you know, so you never really know, you know, so you do need to have a level of self-control. I think it's important to uh, practice this because if we, you know, are rusty, we're more likely to get offended. So great points, everyone. I'm going to type your question and see what the uh, AI said. If someone <laughs> had starving kids, would it be moral for them to steal food? Right? Is that a good way to say it? I know the way you asked it was better when you're asking a person, but I'm going to see what this bot says. Today. Yeah. Yes. See what the AI bot says. I wrote, if someone had starving kids, would it be moral for them to steal food? As an AI language model, I don't hold personal beliefs or opinions. It, it says that to almost everything ah. I ask. But generally speaking, the question of whether it is moral to steal food to feed starving children is a complex ethical issue that depends on various factors including cultural, legal, and moral norms. In some cases, stealing food may seem as necessary and justifiable action to prevent harm to innocent people, particularly if other options are not available. However, stealing is generally considered to be unethical and illegal, and it can have negative consequences for both the thief and the victims of the theft. It is important to consider all options and seek help from appropriate sources, such as food banks or charities, before resorting to stealing. <laughs> what a geek. <laughs> it, it always hedges its bets, you know. It can't just yeah. you know, give it you contradict itself. <laughs> it's like, well, it is, but it isn't. <laughs> yeah. We can't you know, get anywhere based that. off programming. <laughs> You know, and that's, it's pretty similar answers I get from people, honestly, what this AI is giving Right, me. yeah. You know, it's really yeah. interesting. And um, so I, I mean, I, I, I recommend everybody have these conversations in your own head when you're driving, when you're laying in bed before you go to sleep. What are people going to say? You know what people you know are going to say. You know what they're going to say. You can, you can discuss a lot of it out in your own mind because you know what people are going to say. And if you haven't had those conversations and you don't know what people are going to say, ask them. And you'll find out what they're going to say. And it'll blow your mind when you really think about it. Because most of the time what people say is, is absolutely ridiculous. Because when you go out in public and you ask people, where does a right come from? They think a right comes from the government or a piece of paper. Come on. Or like the moral norm. Right? You catch that? The moral norm. They said something like that. The moral norm. Yeah. Which is, yeah. You know, another euphemism yeah. for and, like and, a subjective morality. And I even yes. asked it like yeah. three questions ago, just because something's normalized or a lot of people think it, does that make it true? 
and it had to admit, no, truth is not defined by how many people think it. <laughs> yeah, see? What are you talking about then? <laughs> More norms is the cultural relativism we talked about two exactly. weeks ago. Exactly. Know, so. It's talking yeah. about cultural relativism. Yeah. Which is moral relativism with a funny yeah. name. <laughs> yeah. You know. All but, right. Well, um, let's yeah. close this up. Um, any last thoughts? Let's go around. Anybody want to say anything? And then we'll uh, move on. Um, before, uh, Chris, don't forget to uh, show some love to the funnel conference that's coming up soon. You know, before we end this, so, you know, Absolutely. we got to show you some love, Will Keller and everyone, you know, this helped out. So, uh, yeah, um, you know, it, it's really all about, you know, doing a shadow work and trying to spread this information, man, uh, because that's really what we are here to do is to learn, grow and to help others learn and grow and planting these seeds, you know, taking in this information, trying to spread this knowledge of how natural law, objective morality, shadow work, how cultism, you know, how that's really what we are trying to do. Um, and that's what the whole point of the show is, you know, the whole Socratic method. We are trying to give how different ways that people can try to, you know, plant these seeds because it is not an easy thing in today's world, you know, so just keep on, you know, just keep on trying to spread this good message and, you know, and I'm gonna pass it on to whoever wanna take it up next. I'll go real quick. So the things that came up too was uh thinking. And uh I think there's a distinction between reaction and passion. So I, I get you know, I ask myself, am I being reactive or am I passionate? Like I'm constantly asking questions to myself. And that may be considered a shadow word. So it can be done anywhere, I guess. But, uh, you know, before I take a step that could affect others, then I ask myself, is this the right step? And so I, I've asked, like, I've asked someone, I said, hey, um, talk about natural law. And he said, oh, well, I, I think I said, like, if someone murders someone, like, would you have the right, or if someone tried to murder you, like, would you have the right to defend yourself? And, like, if you had to kill him to defend yourself, his response was like, no, because what if they change in the future? And, like, situations like that, you'll encounter by having these conversations, which is truly beneficial because you'll learn something and you will see where their state of mind is and then kind of gauge, like, whether, you know, you can confide in this person or not. But, yeah, another thing I, what I was saying at the beginning was I thinking is what came to mind because, like, let's say the schooling system, right, they're, like, with history. They're saying World War II happened this way. Study it. You know, take a test. See how smart you are. All right, here's a degree. But did the student, like, they're, they're going to live their life with that answer, essentially. But they have they, like, revised it? Have they gone through the steps? Like, you have to go through the steps. You have to ask the questions. And that's where true learning is i'll pass it to Derek. yeah and we could learn a lot just by asking a question a three a simple three-letter word that no one asked all night 
And of course, we got more complex things than that, but why? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's like, we could compare and whatever, but, uh, in ways that we can ask questions like, hey, how do you spend your free time? Cause, like, I'm over here, like, all my free time is spent on, researching putting out the the message of this and that trying to inspire and encourage other folks for through different mediums of expression like what's good with you man you know like <laughs> and like be that mirror in a sense like that's that neutral point like brandon was talking about and i i totally understood where you were getting at with that uh, from the get but uh i just wanted to throw a little aside to that but um like being able to like not let the other person, you know, that's responsibility, right? So, yeah, it's – there's so many ways we can train and, like, have target practice or whatever, and not in a bad way, target practice. But, yeah, for me and, and Brandon, like, uh, our jobs, like, we're, like, out in the public talking to, like, hundreds of people all the time, you know? Uh, you know, like – and we got to alchemize a bunch of shit even on the fly, like, any given time type of thing. So – you know, you see people mashing their teeth over whatever, and yeah, like you've done the shadow work. You can see the projections and get an insight to where those are coming from and not let it affect you like on that personal level because it's not about us. It's, it's something projected from them to a degree, and we could, you know, take that opportunity to like heal anything to any fucking sliver of a percentage of whatever, right? So, yeah, anyways. That's my little bit on that, but uh, yeah, Jimmy, what's cracking? Uh, thank you, guys. I always appreciate, you know, that we can do these talks and share this, you know, knowledge in that. I, I just like to encourage people to, like, look into the Socratic method and, you know, like, uh, really see what it's about. And, uh, I mean, I can leave, like, Go back to like that one question. Do you own your own body? And think about it. You know, and think of what are the consequences of that if you don't own your body. Right. And, um, thinking, I think, I think thinking is huge. Like we've been programmed to believe in so much stuff. So we got to really think about moral relativism and reality of like what's truthfully happening and sit with that and think about it. So that's it. Thank you guys. Thank you, Jim. And thanks Jerry and Brandon and Derek and uh, Rick, you're out there and listening land too. Appreciate you a lot, brother. And, um, you know, the last thing that was coming to my head is you guys were all kind of finishing up there is that, you know, that question why, like Derek said, you can always ask more questions. There's always more questions to get to the root of things. And one thing I like to do in terms of philosophy is ask yourself, kind of like how little kids do. Why? 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 Why is that? Why is that? Why is that? Or but kind of in the frame of like, where does that come from? You know, like take something like the Constitution. Where does that come? From? Where did it come from? Well, it came from these guys, you know, it came from their minds. Well, where did they get those ideas? Where do those ideas come from? If you do that on anything, it's amazing. You keep pushing your brain and you try to keep getting to the point where you get down to principles. And um, 
know, I just think it's a fun exercise. And I think like Derek said, this whole process is an exercise of expanding our minds and teaching other people to do that kind of workout too. More people get going on that. We'll all be in better fitness and we'll start to see that more morality equals more freedom in the world when people are able to stretch their minds into a little bit more of an open-minded shape that can ask the hard questions and um, not get overwhelmed by the emotions that come up. So thanks so much for all your wisdom, guys. Um, and we'll get back at it as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. You want to talk about funnel real quick? Let's there do that. Go. Yeah. June yeah. 24th and 25th. We're going to do the Freedom Under Natural Law Conference. I urge folks to go to freedomundernaturallaw.com and you can register there. We got a lot of great speakers in the lineup this year, and that is all posted now on the website, freedomundernaturallaw.com. And um, it's going to be a great event. It's just um, one speaker after another with some cool bits in between. We got music and um, cool visuals and a lot of people just for free putting their heart and their their passion into these presentations and this music they're going to share with you and this art. You know, we got people um, contributing art. We got people contributing music and it's going to be a fantastic event. And I urge you to set that weekend aside. It'll be two full days of awesome material and content. Thanks for reminding me to share. Yeah, that. I appreciate it. And uh, and uh, come hang out in the chat. You know, um, the the first funnel, uh, hell, I was in the chat. Second funnel, it was it was even bigger. We had a, a good time. You know, so come say hey. You know, a lot of people from the network would be on there. You know, so come. You know, you know, help come spark some conversation. Absolutely, that's how it's done, folks. Networking and sharing and um, contributing. And encouraging and motivating other people to do the same. So that's what we're doing. Go Warriors. Buddy. <laughs> All right, guys. Much love. Yeah. Peace. Thank you. Hi, my name is Chris Jansen, and I'm excited to share with you this summer, June 24th and 25th, the Freedom Under Natural Law Conference. This is going to be the third Freedom Under Natural Law Conference titled The Trivium. I got together with a group of other individuals. We were talking and studying about the concept of natural law. We were, rec- we were uh, joined together under the recognition that the world is lost in this paradigm of evil and recognizing human laws and authority as being a power over the soul of an individual, which is ridiculous. And we're all about choice, the freedom to make choices. So we got together and we were inspired by the work of others, such as the guys who put together the seed conference. And we said, why don't we do our own conference? And so we created the first Freedom Under Natural Law Conference, which was a free online conference just streaming a great lineup of speakers doing their presentations and we went on to do the freedom under natural law 2 conference and got more people involved and artists and musicians and now here we are 
getting excited and ready to pump out Freedom Under Natural Law, Part 3, The Trivium. Knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. We're going to give you points of view from all kinds of different speakers. We're going to give you images, music, audio, and you can join in the chat and be part of the conference. We're going to have roundtable discussions. This is really going to be an exciting event to uplift human beings, to um, broaden our perspectives, and to give us the tools for thinking to really discern what's going on in the world. My presentation is going to be called How to Willpower, and it's going to be really aimed at you, the individual, to give you the tools, inspiration, and motivation you need to become the person you want to be, and to help others and work on this project of all humanity working towards freedom. And the way we can do that is by understanding natural law and being able to discuss these topics and look at them from different perspectives. Can't wait to see you. Mark your calendar for June 24th and 25th, Freedom Under Natural Law Conference. Thanks for coming.